0: I just uh, throwing my mic around. Um, maybe down just a tad. The title of the message is uh, Never Give Up, but I don't know if it's a real good title. I don't know if the message is going to go with it, but we'll do our best. I had two messages in it. I was having trouble nailing it down. <coughs> but Guys, can go in your Bibles or smartphones, not to Facebook, but to Genesis 15:20, I mean, 15:2 to 6. I'm using the English Standard Version. You can use whatever you like. But Abraham said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Now, this is right after God's like reaffirming his promise to Abraham. He's saying, I'm going to give you a bunch of stuff. Children like the stars in the heavens and the sand on the seashore. So he's like, Lord, how are you going to give me any of that when I don't have any kids? And the heir of my household is some some servant of his or something. So. um, And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. I think it's awesome that all he did to get righteousness or to be counted to him as righteousness is believe the Lord. He believed the Lord and he was counted to him as righteousness. But the point I'm trying to make here is that he had to wait, uh, I believe it was 25 years before that kid came that he just told him about. From the time he first gave him and the time he came, it was about 25 years. Counted as righteousness. (laughs) So that means that as far as God's concerned, he's righteous. Right before God is what righteousness means. Right right standing before God. So perfection before God or, or the ability to stand before God as someone who's right before him just because he believed and he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. The uh, next part is Genesis 37, two Uh, and actually I had like two and then I skip three, four and go to five to eight. Not because there's any blasphemy in any of those or nothing. God's word is good. I just, it was just quicker, (laughs) quicker to go there. So, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy, with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report to them, to their father, uh, of them to their father. So he's talking about his brothers. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, "Hear this dream that I've dreamed." Oh, that sounds kind of like the church. Huh? If you tell them your dreams, they hate you even more. All right. After, um, after they hated him even more, he said to them, Here, this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And um, behold, my sheave arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves, sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaves. sheaf." His brother said to him, his brothers, Are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. I see how he says, behold, behold. That's like, look and see, look and see. Because I was like, that's the kind of brother you hate, right? When he's like, take a look, take a look. Look what I got. Um, his he, he had to wait 15 years before this came to pass. So he had this dream, believed that he'd be over his brothers and everything, and they hated him for it. But then he had ended up waiting 15 years, going through prison, um, and all sorts of hardship before he before he hit it he got what he was what he was promised the point of those kind of things is I'm trying to say that you don't give up on what God's promised you you stand in faith on it and you keep going and you keep speaking it Um, everywhere Abraham went he had to he changed his name from exalted father which is Abram God did to Abraham which is father of many nations or father of nations so everywhere he went he had to introduce himself as father of nations with no kids. So he never gave up. He kept holding on. Kept talking about it. <clears throat> now the next part I was going to tell you guys is a story, um, bits and pieces. It's it's just a story of of Saul becoming king, and then David becoming king, and um, and the stuff that happened in between. Because um, you know I do believe that God puts people in power and takes them out, but also sometimes as we go through this, I'll show you where. People, God wanted something to happen, but He allowed people to have their way, even though it wasn't the best. Okay. Um, so, first part is in First Samuel eight one uh, and verse one and verse three. I think it looks like I might have skipped to two. When when Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. Yet his sons did not walk in the ways in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. So Samuel was judging the people of Israel. He was just telling them, you know, right from wrong and keeping everybody from strangling each other. If somebody's sheep went in somebody else's yard and they said, hey, that's my sheep. And he started fighting. He would judge them. So his sons were, uh, his sons were taking bribes and perverting justice. So if the guy said, that's my sheep, here's $5. He'd be like, okay, that's your sheep, buddy. You know what I'm saying? So that wasn't a that wasn't a good situation for, for the people. So the people um, gathered together. This is from um, some part of the Bible. I, for some reason, don't have it noted. But it's in <laughs> Samuel also. <coughs> it says, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, which is a place. Ramah is a place. It's not just like a saying like Ramah or nothing. Okay. He said to him, behold, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us. Because they figure he's going to die. And his sons are not fun. So appoint us a judge like all the nations. But the the thing displeased Samuel. He was not happy with that. When they said give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel. Obey the voice of the people. And all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. So people had rejected God from being their king, but he still said to them to obey the people. So that's p- part of what I'm talking to you about, about God wanted something. It was the best for them, but they missed it, and he let them. Not only did he say, go ahead and obey the people, but he's the one who kind of picked out a king. But I believe he picked the, the king out. Because God knows everything. He knew what what would happen from the beginning. But he picked that king out to tell him, hey, you don't look at outward appearance. Because the king that that he picked originally was um, outwardly handsome, taller than everybody else. Another uh, verse I would say uh, just to show you guys like a little bit of God's will versus what happens. Uh, cause some people are confused about that. There's always saying God is in control. God is in control. Ultimately, he's going to wrap it up. But the earth belongs to men, according to the Psalms. <clears throat> so he says in Deuteronomy 15, 4, but there will be no poor among you. For the Lord will bless you in the land that you inherit, uh, in the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance to possess. This promises yes and amen to Christians as well, because every promise is yes and Amen. There'll be no poor among you. But he says that and then like. What? 11 minus four verses down in verse 11, he says, for there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. This is not because God got schizophrenia or he thought I want some people to be rich and some people to be poor. He's saying he wants nobody to be poor. And there shouldn't be any poor. The reason why there are poor, though, and he says there will never cease to be poor, is because he knows there will never cease to be people who choose that. Who say, hey, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. They look to their mom and say, were you listening? Because that's for you. Get rich and then give me money. But I'm going to sit on my blessed assurance. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? they're <coughs> They're not choosing to go into all that God wants them to go into or to possess. So the reason why I say that, too, is because in the same way the Israelites had a king, which was God, which was the best king. Um, and they chose to do their own wild thing. Um, also, Jesus um, quotes that uh, same scripture, for the poor you always have with you, but you did not always have me. In John twelve eight, when they were mad because somebody uh, spent, a, I think, a year's wages, was it? Of perfume on him. And he said, nah, no, stop tripping. Don't worry about it, you know? You're always going to have the poor, but you don't always have me. Plus, he knew that the guy that was saying that wanted to steal the money. First Samuel eight, four through seven. And in that day, you will cry out because of your king. Well, this is God telling the people of God. Hey, uh, his people say, hey, I was going to be your king, but because you want a king, I'm going to give you to you. But here's the bad stuff that's going to happen to you because of it. So he starts telling them in advance. You will cry out because of the king whom you have chosen. This is a part two. You have chosen, even though. He's the one who get, who tells Samuel who to anoint, but he says that you have chosen the king. That's also why I believe that, you know, he chose somebody that men would choose so that men could say. So he could say, hey, here's your choice and see how that works out for you. And then later on, I'll give you my choice. Um, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, obey. Uh, I mean, and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. What I see there, too, is that um, he said they, he said all the bad things, so they had another chance, but they said, no, we're still going to have a king. They had another chance to choose God as their king, but they said, no, we're still going to have a king. So there's something else just thrown in for free. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them. In the ears of the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, "Obey their voice." The king, the, the Lord God Almighty, King of the universe, Maker of heaven and earth, is saying, "Obey their voice, and make them a king." About the people of God, Samuel said to the men of Israel, "Go, every man to his city." So he's like, "Get out of my face! I don't want to see you guys no more." Nah, that's when he's gonna. I mean, he probably said that. I would say that, but he wanted to. Uh, he wanted to pick a king for him. So he said, "Get out of here." Um. And then in 1 Samuel 9 2, it comes to the part where he's he's looking for the son. So he said, it says, and he had a son whose name was Saul. This is a guy named Kish who had a son that name was named Saul. He was a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. You hear that, Taya? This dude was handsome. The most handsome man in the whole country. Okay? They wanted to put him on TV and reality TV. You know what I'm saying? This is kind of the deal. So from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Then Samuel, and this is um, 10-1, so skip the few, to go to when he pours the oil and anoints him. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him. That's weird. Well, this guy's so handsome, guys wanted to kiss him, I guess. And as the... Has the not the Lord anointed you to pr- be prince over his people, Israel, and you shall reign over the people of the Lord and you will save them from the hand of their surrounding enemies. And this shall be the sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. After that, he gives him a sign. The sign is that the Holy Spirit comes upon him and Saul actually prophesies. And there's a uh, proverb It's even Saul among the prophets because of that, um, because he goes forward. So this, this is also interesting, too, because God didn't pick him. Originally, he didn't want him to be king. He wanted to be king, but he let him. Then he picked the guy who the people would want. Handsomest dude, the guy on TV, right? Tell yeah. yeah. Head, like, his, he was shoulders above everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, <clears throat> so picked him, and then God still touched him, still changed him, still put a spirit on him and let him prophesy and do all kinds of stuff was awesome which I didn't put those verses down here maybe I should have but it was getting really long so <laughs> so um, the point I'm making though is that God blessed them even though he wasn't God's plan a he blessed them anyway uh, I see a lot of Christians putting the stuff online and saying you know stop doing what you want and expecting God to bless it but really what we want especially us because this these guys don't have they're not made new, they're not all old, old things that passed away. They're not have the Holy Spirit like we are, so we want something. It's because of who we are. So if we want it, God wants it. It's our will is His will. So um, I, d- I don't like that's a little judgy to me to say, hey, you know, stop trying to do stuff and then ask God to bless it. But I mean, if you're doing something in the world, yeah. But if you're a Christian, you're following after God. If you're following after God. That's what you do. What He does. What He wants you to do. Um, in 1 Samuel 15, 10 to 11, the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret. Now, this is after um, Saul did some things. Basically, he just didn't take care of some business like he was supposed to. He was supposed to kill every single person of his enemies and every animal. He wasn't even supposed to take anything, burn up all the treasure. Usually in the old days, you kill the dude, you take all his stuff. He doesn't need it anymore where he's at, right? So... um. That's what they would usually do. But but in this case, God said everything devoted to destruction to the Lord because these people were doing horrible things, sacrificing their kids, stuff like that. So um, he he kept some stuff, though. He saw the the goodest, the bestest, the prettiest cows and stuff and cheap. And he kept them and he kept the king alive, too. So afterwards, um, you know, after making some excuses and finally he came around to say, uh So first of all, the word of the Lord came to Samuel after he didn't obey. And he says, I regret that I have made him Saul, the king, for he's turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And Samuel was angry and he cried to the Lord all night. How many of you guys have been crying to the Lord all night? He cried to the Lord all night because he was angry because he liked the king that was picked. You know, he's a big dude. Handsome. Um. After some excuses and stuff, Saul, Saul finally admitted that he did wrong and it was his fault. He lost, you know, the blessing. I have sinned for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. That's what Saul is saying. And your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. That's First Samuel fifteen twenty four. 24. Um, and then because after this, Saul, I mean, Samuel, the guy who anointed him the prophet, he's still uh, all upset for a while. Uh, for a long time, he's just like throwing his long pity party, right? Not a short one like we're used to, but a long one. So then um, God says to him, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Um, what's rough about that is that If if he now God's telling him, go pick another king, but the other king is still king. God might have said, I rejected you, but he's still king. Which means if Samuel goes around calling other people king, the king that's king is going to kill him. Right. Not going to just let him call other people king when he's still king. So. um, God says he's going to go ahead and let um, and protect him, but he kind of tells him to just say, you know, you're going to a sacrifice and invite all the the sons of the the guy I want to pick the sacrifice and that's where you'll anoint him so he does that and he's he's picking out all the sons they're bringing the sons of uh, I forgot his name Jesse sons of Jesse before him when they came he looked on Eliab and thought and Eliab is, I think is like the firstborn uh, son he says surely the, no, the, the Lord's anointed is before him but the Lord said to Samuel do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So that's where I was telling you guys. I, I I think that um you know, God was showing him, Hey, <clears throat> I let you guys pick somebody that you guys would like because he's big, strong, and handsome. But there's more important things than that. And then he picked his his second choice, which was David. And in 1 Samuel sixteen thirteen, then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon, upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, uh, there are different scholars say there's different times. They say like between 10 and 15 years before David actually became king. During that other time, he's running around hiding in caves and stuff like that because Saul's trying to kill him because he's supposed to be king. Um, And Saul's still the king, and he doesn't want to give it up. This is another time, too, where I think that, you know, just like I said before, um, about God taking, making people king and taking people from kingship. um, He does do that, but it's not in our timetable, right? 10 to 15 years. I mean, David could have took it earlier because he had a few chances where he could have killed him, and he could have took the kingdom himself in his own time by just doing, by just killing him. But he said, far be it from me to lay my hands on the the Lord's anointed. So he respected the Lord's choice, even though he knew that the Lord had since rejected him. Um, And the part I also wanted to make clear here is that God made a way for himself to be king again. Because God's people rejected God as king. Now he picked David. But in David is the line that leads to Jesus. And then Jesus is king. God, God is king again, right, so in Psalms 122, 11, the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he did not turn back, will not turn back, one of the sons of your body I will set on your throne, and um, I guess I forgot the rest of it, but <laughs> it was supposed to be talking about Jesus, it is, he's talking about Jesus, he, Jesus is, is, is in his line and comes from the line of David, um, and one of his uh, sons becomes the king of of kings, the Lord of lords, who never, whose kingdom never ends, and the government, the weight of the government's on his shoulders. All those cool prophecies. Um, Luke twenty four forty nine says, "And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high." Now, this is about the Pentecost, and the reason why I put this in here is because what I was saying is that in the past, Abraham waited twenty five years, um, Joseph waited twenty years. David waited 10 to 15 years. These guys waited for the Holy Spirit for nine days. So what I say to you guys is that, hey, if you are waiting, hold on. Trust Jesus. Keep keep going. Never give up. But you don't necessarily have to wait. You could be choosing to wait. Just like they chose to have a king they shouldn't have had. Don't wait just because you're choosing to if God wants to give it to you now. That's not what I'm saying. God wants a lot of things for us to have right now that we're waiting. We're putting on the back burner. Because, whatever, I can't judge what your heart is, but <clears throat> he wants you to have it now. Um, but if there is a time for some reason that you are, and that's the thing about faith, too, is it's now. Um, Hebrews 11, one says, now faith, and this is the Passion Translation. Now faith brings our hopes into reality, which for me says makes our hopes now. And becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So when you're walking in faith, when you're living in faith, when you're um, trusting God for something, you have it now. That's your attitude. I have it now. It's mine now. And if you don't see it yet, faith, it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. All you need is that faith. All you need is that word. Doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter what it feels like. But I I say that because I want you to stand in faith if you if you don't see something, but at the same time, I don't want you to wait because you don't need to. Understand everybody? Cool. So never give up. Always hold on to the word of God. What the word of God says is what it's going to do. It never returns void. It cannot fail. When you don't see it, all you need to prove that it is is faith, right? And then don't wait if you don't have to. Don't decide that you're not good enough or now is not the time. You need to get something straight or somebody else needs to get something straight. All your family members need to get something straight. You go ahead and get a hold of what God wants for you right now and take it. Okay? Amen? All right, that's all. Love you, God.